this is a cinematic education from one friend to another. I am your lovely co-host, Morgan Spatola. And I am Thomas Jernigan. How are you today, Morgan? I'm doing great. Are you ready for another episode of Academy Outcast? I'm so ready, and I had so much fun on our first episode, and thank you so much to all that listened, and uh, let's embark on our second journey. Let's adapt to the second, the kind of the first filmless adaptation. Nice throwback. <laughs> In case you're just picking up on episode two. So, so, so I went and saw a movie yesterday. Ooh, do tell. Yeah, it's like amazing. I went and saw a movie. Um, okay. In theaters? Yes, okay. in theaters. So in Scottsdale, there was this theater um, called the Camel View 5, um, which was near Fashion Square Mall, okay. which is like a famous mall for all you listeners out there. Look it up. Um, huge. like famous people shop there and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Camel View 5 was the, the theater that they used to, um, uh, play all the indie films at. They Ooh. only had five, you know, projectors or whatever they okay. were. Auditoriums? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Movie rooms. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they only had five and they played all the, the, the movies there or whatever, the indie films. So they actually, uh, knocked it down, which is like really fucking sad. They knocked it down? Yeah, so no, like, it's gone now. Oh, wow. It's but what they did instead... I was like getting all excited. I was like, I'm going to go to this place. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. But but there's still hope. Because okay. what they did instead was they revamped the theater that was inside the mall, the regular Harkins. Okay. And um, that theater has like a bajillion theaters, yeah. movie rooms, if you will, yeah, yeah. within Auditoriums. it. Auditoriums. <laughs> <laughs> it's really called an auditorium? Or? Yeah, oh, okay. auditorium 12 or something. Whatever. Oh, yeah. I see. So, um... So it has a lot of rooms within it. I keep saying, sorry, auditoriums within it. And um, they... I hope that's the right word. <laughs> we're pretty sure. Here on Academy Outcasts, okay, yes. we make our own rules. We're outcasts. We're the outcasts. Um, but anyway, so they have a lot of um, places to watch the movies within, and they uh, took on doing all of the indie films. Okay. So that's where I saw the movie. Um, so I saw a movie called The Hero. The Hero. Have you okay. heard of it? I have not. No, this is interesting. Okay, so now... Well, I may have. I don't know. So now it. the mentee has become the master. The mentor. Mentor. Okay, whatever. So it's called The Hero, and it stars Sam Elliott, I Yeah, think. I love Sam Elliott. Okay, uh-huh. Sam Elliott. Um, Nick Offerman was in it. Oh, yeah. Um, Some people say I look and sound like Nick Offerman. I don't think you look like him, but I would say the sound. See, there it is. There's the voice. Leslie, there's no such thing as cholesterol. Very good. Or whatever. So, Nick Offerman was in it. Laura Prepon. Prepon? Mm, I don't know. She was on that 70s show. She's the hot lesbian in Orange is the New Black. Okay. You would know if you saw her. Okay. Laura Prepon. um, That's it. That's all I got. I'm sure there were other people, too. It's about an old actor in his... 50s or something that was really popular a long time ago uh-huh. and then he starts making a new movie to gain relevance again Birdman. Yeah, I was gonna say what the fuck does that sound like <laughs> but so we watched the hero and it um it was good it wasn't anything like Birdman okay. because actually he didn't make a movie or anything okay. so what happens is he's old um, and he's sad and depressed. So he finds out he has cancer. He starts dating Laura Prepon. And Nick Offerman sells them drugs, of course. And um, and then he gets really high. And, like, oh. it gets filmed. And so it kind of <laughs> propels him back into relevancy because it goes viral or whatever. And that's, that's like a scene in Birdman. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, well, I didn't know that. Well, he doesn't get, he doesn't get high, but he has, like, this... 
he has like an embarrassing moment that's captured like on everybody's cell phones. Interesting. And it's like, it's like, yeah. So yeah. So then and then like he just like comes to terms with like having cancer or whatever, and that's basically the movie. So yeah. So the fact that it sounded like Birdman actually kind of brought me to this other thought of like how creative ideas get thought of at the same time. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm willing to believe that it's not a knockoff. For I can't every, I can't think that because movies are in development for so long. Oh yeah, and there's 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 so many factors that can delay it. But yeah, I mean it, for every Coke there's a Pepsi, for every McDonald's there's a Burger King, you know, mm-hmm. kind of deal and mm-hmm. um, especially if you have such a huge uh, you know, kind of a studio to distribute those people can usually get it out pretty fast, but mm-hmm. you know if it's more of kind of the indie, uh, kind of kind of you know smaller time, um, you know they need they need the bigger studios to pick them up and uh, you know actually get in theaters. So I wouldn't be surprised if that movie you know started filming 2014, 15 or something. You know, you know I'm sure it was only in select cities at first, and then it branched yeah. out like many. And even Birdman was like that initially because people just didn't know what the reaction was going to be, and then almost instantly I think it was in L.A in New York that it was um, released and then it everybody just loved it and they were mm-hmm. like, okay. Yeah. So this has been Academy Outcast, your Birdman fan cast. I'm just <laughs> yeah. kidding. We've just talked Basically, about it twice in a row now. <laughs> I, I would have no problem having a podcast just solely Just on Birdman. about Birdman. Just about Birdman. Maybe that'll be the next one we do. Okay. okay. <laughs> you gotta see it first though. Yeah, I, I guess I'll watch it eventually. Let's, why don't we talk about the movies? Ooh, okay. So we have a, a fresh new list. Oh, Oh, and also, before we go on, I have to also say, since we are feeling things out, these are the first few episodes, I actually haven't seen this list. Last, last time, one you did. Yes. Last time I did, you sent it to me beforehand. This time, I literally have no idea what's No happening. idea what these movies are. Yeah. This first one has a very, very extremely special place in my heart. And a lot of people have seen it. I don't think you have. Mrs. Doubtfire. Have you seen it? I have seen one scene of it oh probably <laughs> one scene do you remember what the scene okay was? no i have no idea so i i get like i okay this movie i'm melting like a snow cone in phoenix dearie anyway it's 120 tomorrow and i thought that'd be a good quote for that's the movie. super relevant because yeah. fuck phoenix <laughs> um so it's about the famous comedian guy who i don't know what the fuck his name is the actor i can't remember you can't remember the... Okay, What's his see, name? This is why we're doing these podcasts. I can't remember. So I, and you'll hear that tone of voice in me. You, you, you'll hear that a lot from me. Because Robin Williams... Oh yeah, Robin Williams. ...is the star of that movie. No, I know who he is. I that forgot. That one famous comedy guy. Yeah, he's yeah. a famous funny guy. <laughs> God. Okay, so Robin Williams is a voice actor. Yes. See, I know more about this. Okay. Robin Williams is a voice actor. He's hard up on work or something. Yeah. And so then he, for some reason, takes an ad out or, like, responds to an ad for a nanny and then gets the job somehow and he does the voice of the nanny. And so then he basically just cross-dresses as the nanny for the rest of the movie and then that's it. And so I, that's that's what I got. Well, yeah, sort of. But and there's, he pro- a- there's probably a love story. Not really, though. Oh, okay. that, that's the cool thing. Is, I was just I mean, guessing. The reason why he takes the, you know, he's calling in the ad for the nanny is because the wife says, I want to get a divorce. And so he's like, oh, no, they go to court and he's kind of, um, you know, kind of a screw up or whatever, doesn't have a steady job or whatever. 
And the court basically says, you know, hey, you, you're not going to have, like, visitation rights or anything like that. Like, he can only see his kid, like, one, his kids once a day a week with, like, supervision or some some crap like That's that. That's so sad. So, um, Sally Fields, being kind of a career woman as she is, uh, she's like an architect or whatever, puts an ad out for a nanny. And, and he's like, well, if the only way that I'm going to see my kids is to... Dress up as a nanny, that's what exactly He's what a nanny do. for his own kids? For his own kids. What? And that's the thing, is because these kids have no idea. Okay. Know that his dad is, like, I'm sorry, just for a second. What? In real life. Uh-huh. If a dad did that, and the family was going through a divorce, and the dad was like, I'm coming back in disguise to pretend to be your nanny. Yeah. What the fuck? Oh, I know. That is so messed up. And it's so clever, and really kind of sweet. No! Well, yes, it that's is! creepy and psychopathic! No! Yes, it is! And he pulls it off. Like, I mean, he would have no idea that that would be his dad. I mean, she, he dresses up as like a six-year-old Scottish woman. Right. You know. You didn't hear about That's creepy as fuck. Anyway, alright. It's, it's amazing and well, special. And anyway. Tell okay. me the next one. Next one. I'm disgusted. That's okay, next one on the list. 500 Days of Summer. I have seen that one. You have seen that yes. one. Okay, it's a nice kind of twist on love story crap. Yep. All right, next in Bruges. I no, I like I don't never seen it. Even don't like, even know what it's about. Even heard of it. Heard That's about like it. they're probably in Europe, and there's guns. Yeah. Maybe a car chase. No, but sexy lady. There's spies and espionage. <laughs> Sorta. Of. Okay, well, that's man. that was my guess. Yes, but <laughs> what is okay? Yeah, why? okay. So you got Brandon Gleason and you got Colin Farrell and uh, they're Irish hitmen, and uh, a job goes wrong and they need to get out of London. Okay. Uh, and uh, and go to Bruges and hide out. Okay, so before I say this next movie, <laughs> if you want to see me cry multiple times throughout the movie, I mean like streaming down my crying. I'm almost getting choked up right now. And it's not a sad movie. It's just amazing and magical and epic and just, oh my god. Anyway. So I have to pick it because I want to see you cry. <laughs> Multiple times. Directed by the Wiskowski brothers. I was about to say the Wiskowski brothers. They're no longer the Wiskowski brothers. Do you know the Wiskowskis? No, the, okay, of course not. Okay, so Are of course not. you saying that because I'm Jewish? Apparently, no. Oh. Uh, because, um, okay, so they used to be the Wiskowski brothers and they directed a little film called The Matrix. Um, and, uh, anyway, there was Andy and Larry Fitzgerald. What's the Matrix? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Just kidding, I've seen that one. She literally, like, took the air out of it. Oh, man, my... I couldn't hold it long enough to get a response from I, I you. I literally was speechless. I haven't, I haven't been speechless in a while. <laughs> he had no words. What is the Matrix? Nothing, no words. The Matrix is everything. It is all around us. Anyway, um... Uh... God almighty, Morgan. I've seen The Matrix. I'm God sorry, I've seen you. The Matrix. Sorry Jeez. to scare you. God. Good anyway, <laughs> so there was, there was Skalowski's directed that, and there was Andy, and there was Larry. And then Andy became not Andy anymore, and her name's Lana now, I think? So now they're the Wiskowskis. So now it's the Wiskowskis, okay? Okay. And then now... Larry is now, I forget what her name is now, but anyway, so that so now, now they're the Wiskowski they're, sisters. Now they're the Wiskowski sisters. Well, I'm happy so. for them. The great thing about this film is that I haven't even said the title yet. No. Um, so there's three directors to okay. this film, which is like unheard of. Mm-hmm. So you got uh, Wiskowski 1, Wiskowski 2, mm-hmm. and then you got this uh, German director. Anyway, so what the movie is is that these characters and these stories all intermingle and all intertwine, and 
the cool thing is that they, they, it's broken down in segments. And there's not, like, one linear story. Uh, you know, they kind of chop it up and, and, you know, do almost like a, um, a mosaic out of, these, out of these stories. And it spans throughout a thousand years from, like, I believe, like, the 1800s to, like, way in the future. Um, and the cool thing is that they... They assigned these, like, I think there's six story sections to each director, and they have these actors play multiple roles in these stories, and mm. they just completely, like, make up themselves, and almost at times they're just uh, unrecognizable, um, and it's it's just an amazing, the music is absolutely amazing. Um, anyway, so, amazing movie, Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. Have you seen Cloud Atlas? I'm assuming not. No. Okay, good. I know about that movie. You know about that movie. Never seen it. Okay. How yeah. much do you know about that movie other than what everything? I just told no, you? everything you just told me actually, because uh, my I remember when it came out, my wife saw it uh-huh. and um, and she told me about it, sort of like uh, as much as you said. And because the production of that one was a very exciting thing, like yeah. people were really excited about how it got produced yeah. and how they were you know, directors and the thousand, all the bullshit you just yeah, said, yeah, yeah. people were really into that. So yeah. I, I did hear a lot about it, never seen it. Um, and it's like three hours long or something yeah, crazy. Yeah, right? It's about two hours and 45 minutes, but, um, Fuck. but it's a very either love hate movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it truly is just an astounding movie. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people may be surprised for those. Oh, Cloud Alice is a guy's favorite movie. It was terrible or something like that. I don't, I don't see. Now there are times where it's a bit quirky and a bit kind of odd, mm-hmm. but to say that, it's a bad movie? No, no. Well, and it's not just the yeah. story, right? It kind of sounds like it's more about the artistry. Oh, yeah, almost Not Like, not just the story. I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, just the way that the actors are, are, are different different characters in, in each one, how the, the, the makeup and the, the music and just, you know, and again, at times it's very meta because even, you know, the Cloud Atlas Sextet is what they're referring to with this thing, and it's a, it's a, it's a score. And, oh. and the actual, the score that you hear is what one of the characters in the movie is writing. That's like his, wow. his thing. So um, you kind of see it, and it kind of transcends. Anyway, I, I have gone on way, way yeah, too much. Yeah, you got real excited about that one. I swear to God, if you edit a fucking second out of that, I'll stop talking to you. Anyway. I might. Okay, what's the next movie? Okay, the next movie is Atonement. I have no idea what that movie is. Really? Yeah. You might like it. It's That's another sad one. Is oh. it? Let me guess. Okay. It's about... A sad church boy who has to atone for his sad sins. That's my guess. I can't admit a boy. Oh, no. No, no. That's that's just, God, no. Completely wrong? I couldn't be more wrong. Oh, okay. Next one is Sideways. Never heard of it. Never heard of Sideways. Very few few people have. It's... uh, Is it about... It's a documentary about Sidewinder snakes. Ain't no documentaries on this list. Oh, okay. Really, any list for that matter. Um, Documentaries? We're putting you on blast. We're putting you on blast. No documentaries on this show. On blast. Yeah. Whatever. So, Sideways Uh is about Paul Giamatti. Uh, he is a recent divorcee, so he is trying to throw his friend kind of a low-key bachelor party up in Napa Valley, and uh, he's kind of an actor, he's kind of a writer, shit goes crazy, whatever. So it's it's a good, it, it's kind of slow, but I like it. You kind of, I don't know, feel enlightened at the end. Anyway. Cool. Alright, so next one is, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Nope, never seen it. Have you heard of it? Maybe? Maybe. Is it a war movie? No. Okay, that would have been my guess. Is that it was it a it's a, it was about war. Okay. What's it, what's it about? It's a Coen Brothers movie, which okay. they can do no wrong. 
Um, it's basically uh, the Odyssey, um, but told uh, through people in Mississippi in the 1930s. Anywho, what else we got here? So this is another, like, I don't know why this came to my mind when I made this list, because it talked about a guy movie. Uh, the Town. Nope, never heard of it. Okay, so this God, is, I'm doing bad on this You're doing list. bad, but I like that you haven't heard of any of these movies. The last one was like, you like basically saw like 80% of them. I know, um, it's crazy. Which is which was good. Okay, but the, anyway, town. the Town. This sounds like it's a Western movie with no. guns. Okay. No, there's guns, but it's in Boston. It's the um, town. The townies. The town um, is Boston. Okay. I do believe it's Ben Affleck's directorial debut. Yeah, it's, it's about a... You know, him and his buddies, you know, go around committing these kind of small-time crimes, and they're wanting to progress. But anyway, they kidnap a girl. Ooh. One of the Ben Affleck falls in love with the girl, but she was, like, a hostage, and she's, like, talking to the cops while also going out with Ben Affleck, and he has to, like, kind of hide the fact that he was the one that took her hostage and robbed, robbed her bank. And um, it's just kind of a, it's an odd chemistry uh, between them. And, uh, and Jeremy Renner's in it. He's a crazy, crazy son of a bitch. And uh, it's a very guy, Boston robber movie. Everywhere. All right, what else we got? Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting? No. Have you heard of it, though? I've heard the name. Do you know what it's about? Nope. Oh my god, Goodwill Hunting. It's okay. about. I literally have no idea. <laughs> There's boys in it. You, you That's would, all I know. You would like this movie. I think you'd really like it. It's got um, that one famous comedian in it. Uh, oh, Robin Williams. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgot his name. God. Um, in it. And uh, this was like his, I mean, he's done some dramatic roles like Dead Poets Society and everything like that. Um, but this, I have seen that. Yes. Okay. So, uh, but this I think was his really true kind of like first, uh, you know, I think he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He may have won. Um, but, uh, yeah, so basically it's about, uh, Matt Damon. He, you know, grew up in the projects in, in Boston and he is a janitor at Habit. Um, and he's a genius. He's like by definition of genius and he solves these math problems that even like the most, you know, renowned professors can't solve. Uh, he has a record, but these professors, um, they want to try to rehabilitate him and everything like that. And one of the conditions I think with the court is that he has to go to therapy and there comes Robin Williams, and he's his, like, you know, therapist, and he's really hard to break and everything like that. So anyway, it's basically just a movie about how this kind of, you know, very sh troubled orphan boy becomes a genius, and the relationship he has with his therapist and everything like that. And anyway, it's a good movie. Never want to guess that that's what that was about. Okay, the last one. Last one. It's a comedy, and you like comedies. <laughs> Are you making fun of me? No, not at all. I wouldn't dare. Um, Show's okay. over, folks. Thank you for listening. We're done. Thomas made oh, fun God. of me. I'm done now. Last one is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I've seen that one. It yeah. has, um, I don't know any of their names. Yeah. The the funny British guy who's all scruffy yeah. and shit. What yeah. the fuck's his name? Russell Brand. Russell. Russell Brand. Brand. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, I have seen the one. You have seen it? I okay. have, yes. Uh, okay. Russell Brand's in it, the other dude, yeah. tall guy, I don't yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. know what his Probably name is. Meet your mother, or how I remember yeah. yeah, and then like... Jason Siegel. Yeah, Jason Siegel. Who wrote right. it? Oh, and then he's sad and his, because his girlfriend broke up with him, but she's a bitch. And yeah. Like, they just, they're yeah. in Hawaii at one yeah. point. So that's the list. So, that's out of those, list. let me just recap. I won't get okay, into my you. Yeah, recap. evaluations here, yeah. but over the list... So, we had Mrs. Doubtfire, mm -hmm. 500 Days of Summer, mm -hmm. In Bruges, Cloud Atlas, Atonement, or 
I was going to replace it with a serious man, but let's just go with atonement. Um, sideways. Oh, brother, art thou the town goodwill hunting for gain, Sarah Marshall? Okay. Hmm. Do you want to look at the list? Yeah, I do. I do. Don't go through my phone. What? <laughs> you want to go through your phone? Um, so, with this list, I do have one question. Yes. What, um, which one would you say is, like, the most classic classic movie um, out of it probably i would say either goodwill hunting <gasps> i can't believe you texted that person oh my I'm gosh she's looking through my phone that was really not um <laughs> i'd say either mrs doubtfire or goodwill hunting okay i am going to choose Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes! Oh my god, I'm so happy right now. Really? Yes, I'm okay. very, very happy because it's in a magical movie and you'd love it. It's a magical movie. And, and again, I, 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 I want to explore my daddy issues with Mrs. Yes. Doubtfire. Yes, and you know what? You'll love it. You'll never be so happy to explore the daddy issues that one may have with that movie. <laughs> okay. I'm a child of divorce. That movie really yeah. helped me. Oh, it's perfect. All right. Anyway, all right. Let's go. Let's watch. Let's do it. All right. This marriage is ending. My marriage is not ending, it's just on hiatus. To put his family back together, Daniel Hillard needed a job. Do you have any special skills? I do voices. Yes! Nancy and I are still looking for the other half of my head. Look at me right now, Moneypenny. I want to undo that bow and get to know you. Mr. Hillard, do you consider yourself humorous? I used to. And a decent home for his kids. How do you like it? Can't you just tell Mom you're sorry? But he found a way I'm placing an ad for a housekeeper. Housekeeper? Could you make me a woman? To have both. Wow. Let's pray. No. Euphigenia don't fire. Papa's got a brand new bed. Still the same old dad, only better. Dinner is served, madam. Wow. I'd love to get reacquainted. Can't you see the lust in that man's eyes? Action's a little kind of muddled there. Really? Well, so is your tan. <laughs> the terrorists, they ran that way. It was a run by fruiting. This holiday season. Surprise. Robin Williams. Mm. Sally Field. Who needs a husband when I've got you? In a Chris Columbus film, Back off! Mrs. Doubtfire. God, it's hot in here. A father's work <laughs> is never done. Oh, first he is a woman. I'm getting hot flashes. Okay, so we just finished watching Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes, an American classic as far as I am concerned. And it's the first time I ever watched it. First time she's ever watched it. The movie's been around for 25 years. Was just an absolute smash hit. And I am a young lady, so we did determine that this movie came out before I was born. <laughs> was it? So it came out in 93. When were you no, born? I thought it came out in 92. Oh, I think it's 93. I was born in 93. Okay. So, so when this movie came out, 
you were born. So my okay. point is, like, why would I have ever seen this movie? I don't know. I don't know. But it is a... I mean, shit, I was three years old when it came out. So okay. like, it's not like I saw it in theaters, but um, anyway. Well, let's... I mean, I've seen this movie. You you were hearing me quote this movie. Yes. Uh, as I probably can with every movie that I put on the list. But mm-hmm. you tell me, what, what is your... What is Morgan Spatola's evaluation of Mrs. Doubtfire? Well, I thought it was really good, and I was actually trying to... I was, like, taking notes, and you were so interested to see my notes. I was, because sometimes it was, like out of angst and frustration I'm just like "Mm." there were frustrating moments in the movie but the frustrating moments were more of just like ah why are you making this so complicated and then it's like one of those things where like the character has to make the wrong decision or else there would be no movie yeah really and those kind of things like they always get me really riled up so Uh I was like ah and then I like scribbled something on my notes exactly that that was some of the, the parts but I was what I was really trying to come up with was um like thought-provoking, like, discussion questions yeah. and, like, analyzations of, like, the, the plot and yeah. overarching themes. Oh, yeah, which there very well could be many. Okay, but I couldn't come up with anything. Why, Why not? I couldn't. I should. I couldn't come up with... I couldn't come up with any questions. Like, I, this one stumped me. So... Oh, my God. Like, so what... So See, I thought you would have a field day with this one. Because no! I feel like this movie was very ahead of its time as far as... You know, yes, this movie has kind of been done before with, like, Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie, in which he was in New York, he was a struggling actor, and he realized that actresses, you know, there was, I think there was a certain part, I haven't seen that movie in so long, but there was a certain part, and he needed, like, an older woman, so he dressed up as an older woman to oh, get into his part, okay. and that was, like, late 80s or whatever, but I feel like um, how they, now, I don't know if I can uh, adequately come up with a theme, but the fact that, you know, he was in, you know, San Francisco, he had an actor's job, his his brother, um, gay man with, uh, it was Uncle Jack and Aunt, uh, and what was it? It was Uncle Frank and Aunt Jack. Yeah. Uh, and, and they were prosthetics and makeup artists yeah. and everything like that. And they were the ones, you know, and a lot, there was a lot of themes like, oh, can you make me a woman? It's like, oh, honey, I'm so happy. Um, but anyway, but yeah. I, again, I think, it was, I think it was very ahead of its time okay. and, 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 and in regards to that. So, um, well, yeah, okay. Please. So as far as it being ahead of its time in regards to that, that's like, so seeing movies from like the 80s, in the 90s whenever there's like any mention of like gay folks I'm always like my hackles go up I'm like ready I'm like ready for the like offensive shit to happen (laughs) but like I think there was maybe only like one moment that I slightly cringed and I was like well that's not that bad so so you're right it was ahead of its time and I I might not have even written it down like it but so let me just see and another thing is that it it, it really just kind of showed the beauty of San Francisco and and I'll say this before we go into it Uh dad lived in San Francisco for about six years uh went there a a number of times actually went to the restaurant at the final scene and uh you know I, I hear all these crazy things about the city it really I mean its nickname is the city and it really is truly just like an enchanting place. And I feel like Mrs. Doubtfire did a great job of just kind of embracing that and uh, really, really moving forward. But let's let's go with the... Uh... I, I don't even have anything on my note about, oh. about the gay representation. Like, so well, what, I, what made you kind of cringe? I can't remember. Uh, like, no. So that's how inconsequential it was. Oh, you I know what I mean? I should have continued with how beautiful services go. Yeah, well, no. So, <laughs> so yeah, so after consulting my notes, yeah, no, I didn't write anything in my okay. notes about the gay representation, which is like, that's a good thing for me because I yeah. could have been hypercritical, but they... Uh, they did do, like, you know, like, an, it, it was a caricature of sorts, but, like, isn't that what all movies are, like, yeah. in, in a sense sometimes? So, mm-hmm. you know, but they weren't, um, there wasn't any, like, like, the jokes that they, like, the, the jokes that the gay characters made were um, not offensive. Mm-hmm. The punchline wasn't, oh, because you're gay. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. And it wasn't, like, um, you know, and there were jokes that, like, 
I I could see, I don't know, I could see working in real life or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. oh, make me yeah. a woman. Oh, I'm so glad you yeah. asked. Like, yeah. oh, the double entendre. Like, uh-huh. that's so great. But they're brothers or whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Other than, like, I approve. And, like, yes, it was ahead of its yeah. time in that regard. So... Um, and you couldn't have done it in any other city. You couldn't have done it. I mean, San Francisco true. was really, I mean, really the only kind of yeah. uh, uh, place that you could film that shit. That's but, true. Anyway, but, uh, well, let's let's dive in more to uh, some of the notes here, because I know there were okay. some, some fierce scribblings. Okay, so the first thing I wrote, uh, the very first thing I wrote is that his love for his children is very apparent. Yes. They make that really clear straight up. He's just, like, fucking enamored with his children, mm-hmm. which drives him to become totally creepy mm-hmm. upon the divorce of his wife because oh, yeah. if you've read this in a news headline and I'm still <laughs> maintaining that this is the creepiest premise ever. You'd probably ever. be like, lock him up. <laughs> Literally the creepiest premise ever. Uh-huh. And um, and I'll, I'll just kind of fast forward. So, okay, so like, yeah, like imagine that you're like, hey, spouse, we're getting a divorce because you're, you know, I'm just at my wit's end with this relationship or whatever. And then your spouse fucking sneaks back into your house somehow and like... Dressed up as a nanny. That's so creepy. But they're like showing it from his point of view. So it's like not creepy. But like, can you imagine if they remade this as a horror film? As like Sally Sally Field's point of view? Yeah, from Sally Field's point of view, like as a horror film, like Uh, best horror film ever. And I don't even like them. Like that would be terrifying. So I wrote down um, that the judge and the wife at the very end are the only two people in the entire movie that have rational reasonable responses to the <laughs> yeah, situation right. yeah. so because as, as heartbreaking as it is at the very end because saying basically he's losing custody of his kids even um you know even though it's, it's warranted the, the judge actually puts some rationale and reasoning behind it mm-hmm. but uh and you can see that happening but you know i mean to 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 go off the point that you're making of a point of view if it was done off of sally fields mm-hmm. that's why i love her reaction at the at the very end mm-hmm. when, he, when she actually does completely horrifying that it's just like Daniel, oh, you can't don't touch me. Now. I have to go. We have to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I thought that was brilliant. But. And I like felt that like that was so real, mm-hmm. realistic. You know, the whole time it's like this crazy fantasy of like, oh, could this ever really happen? Whatever. Yeah. And then she has like this most real, like visceral, like uh, completely realistic reaction. Yeah, yeah, like oh, it was like. <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, I, if we want to talk about, like, how, as far as performances go, like, her performance in the oh, last yeah. scene was, like, amazing. Oh, yeah. She was just so fucking horrified. <laughs> like, and I would be, too. Holy uh, shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so definitely the creepiest premise of a movie ever. Well, what now, else? let me, let me oh, bring yeah. this topic up. Um, now, you, as well as I, uh, are children of divorce. Now, how did, how do you think, because I saw this when, when I was about eight mm-hmm. years old, and my parents got divorced when I was about eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And I watched it just over and over again because so, it, it made me feel good for some for whatever reason. Did you hope that your dad came back as your housekeeper? No, but it okay. made me miss my dad that much more Aww. because I mean there was kind of you know some you know kind of kind of crap like that that was kind of behind the scenes uh-huh. that I wasn't aware at that time you know legal stuff and everything like that. Um, but you know I just wanted to see my dad more. And obviously he, he you know he didn't even live in the same city. I mean he lived he lived you know states away. But anyway it was it was kind of cathartic seeing all this. I mean, it was kind of. Uh, uh, I don't know, emotionally comforting or what have you. So I don't know. I mean, where where would you stand on on that? Do you think this is some uh, a movie that you know would comfort you know kids that you know recently are finding out that they're because a lot. I mean, that's such a huge underlying like, yeah. motif, a theme to yeah. to the movie. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just don't know because yeah. so here's like little getting personal on the podcast backstory is my mom and dad were never married, mm. um, and they split. 
when I was like one. Like, so I don't remember, okay. you know, so, but I do, you know, grew up with having yeah. split up parents. Then yeah, I guess I misspoke with that. No, no, that's divorce, fine. But. but so, but then also as an adult now, my mother, my mother did get remarried when I was a child. And as an adult, um, you know, they're actually currently, sorry, mom to bring this up, <laughs> going through a divorce. Um, and so that's affecting me as an adult. So it's kind of interesting because I kind of have the split perspective of like mm-hmm. how it was growing up with it already having been done mm-hmm. and then how it is now seeing it happen. Yeah. So, um, it's kind of interesting. Um, I guess I don't know because like as an adult, like the premise horrifies me as yeah. previously noted, but I guess as a child, I can understand like, oh, look, he loves his kids so much. It's so apparent. Look at the great lengths that this father will go for his children. And like, no matter what happens, like you're still family. And mm-hmm. there's like that really nice monologue about like love end. and families at the yeah. end. And, and that was actually really sweet and touching. Uh-huh. I thought that was super yeah. nice. So oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, no. I mean, I guess I, I think that it could be a good thing i guess i guess it's um ultimately it is a story of something positive that came from a bad situation yeah i.e the bad situation being a divorce Mm -hmm. and so maybe it could be a good thing for children of divorce to see because it kind of is like listen things get a little crazy uh, oh my god now i'm getting the themes so things get a little crazy uh, you know, during divorce and crazy things happen during the process. And in this movie, the crazy thing was actually just a, this crazy fantasy of the dad showing up as the it housekeeper. Was an, an effect of the, the craziness. And it caused yeah. the dad to be and crazy as well. A better person. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah. And so anyway, so crazy things happen during divorce. And in this movie, the, the, it really parodies what the crazy things are. And the parody of it is him dressing up as a housekeeper. Uh-huh. And in the end, though everyone will be okay and everyone will learn how to live their new life in a new way. And so it carries a good message for divorce. There we go. (laughs) That's my, there, I found it. I found the theme. (laughs) Here's why I bring it up because I had to go, this was actually, I had to go to like my, my elementary school's like counselor or whatever, because it was whatever it was. It was so weird actually, because they actually grouped in, like, the second and third graders who actually were going through, like, a divorce, uh, uh-huh. their, you know, the parents and everything like that, and they would show, they would, like, you know, go into this and this and that, but then they would also show us movies that would have to, like, like pertain to, like, divorce uh-huh. and stuff like that. I remember one of the movies, which is, oddly enough, uh, Santa Claus with Tim Allen, that was about, like, divorce. Oh, wow. And, and <laughs> there was another, another film, I totally forget, but anyway... What I didn't like is that those were all just like kiddie freaking movies. And when I was very young, my both my mom and my dad would allow me to watch these movies that I mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have watched when I was, <laughs> you know, really young. But then again, I think it turned out well because now I am just a film nut. But uh, anyway, uh, I, I wanted to see that film. I wanted to see Mrs. Doubtfire. That was the film that was like true and real and, you know, was creative. It wasn't just some like, you know, hoity-toity, just kind of like, you know, meh. Uh, Wait, kinda... what is that movie rated? PG-13. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like PG thirteen. You're in second grade, like whoa. Oh yeah, I know, anyway. really. Oh yeah, and, and I mean some of the some of the things that you know it's they a little say. Crude, yeah. When I watched it again, because I don't think I've I've seen this stuff for like for like three four years, and like I picked up on some things. Remember when he's talking to Pierce Brosnan, and, and she's like, you know, he's like, I hope you have for a little competition. She's got the power tool in the bedroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like uh, she's got the crabs, dear, and not talking talking Dungeness or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like things like that. I mean, like kids don't get that. When you're eight years old, you're just like power tool. Crabs, what? I mean, it's just like, uh, anyway, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah. it's weird that you have to pick up 
pick up on things like that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's that's anyway. pretty funny. Well, let's dive into some more because you have you have a lot, and I want to get to it. Um. Oh, what else did I write? Um, worst haircuts ever. <laughs> was one thing I wrote. Just nineties man. Everyone on all of them, just yeah. all the worst haircuts. All around, especially the the the, the little son. The, yeah. You know, so, yeah, and then I wrote another note here that says, Chris, that's the son. Chris has the worst fashion, <laughs> underlined. He had, like, a poncho. In and then I said, seat. floppy shirts, and I wrote four question marks, because, like, <laughs> they shouldn't have let that kid dress himself, like, yeah. in the Mrs. Doubtfire universe. Like, <laughs> I know, Mom, you're going through some stressful shit, yeah. but Mrs. Doubtfire, like, you're the housekeeper. Like, make sure this Lace child is... decent clothes out on He them. was wearing the worst things. Yeah. All of the worst things. Oh, yeah. And it made me upset. <laughs> Um, also going into a little bit of the costume design, uh, <laughs> um, he, the, the dad, um, at one point early on in the movie was wearing a jean jacket blazer and I yes. just about flipped my lid because I need to, yes. I need that. And that was in court. I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Why? Why would you wear that to court? But oh, also God. like, and that just kind of goes to like the eccentric, eccentricness. I messed that word up. That just kind of goes to the eccentricness of his character. Yeah. Um, but. Jean jacket. As, That's how you know you're truly insane when you wear a, a jean jacket to court. As a lesbian. Yes. I need that jean jacket blazer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you were jealous. Don't lie. I was so jealous. <laughs> so now every thrift shop that I've been to, I need to like go look there for a jean jacket blazer. Jean so jacket. that's bring it back. Bring it back. What would you say? Just top of your head that stand out. Uh, the funniest parts in the movie. Name like two or three. The funniest parts in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the parts that I can think of. Okay, I out. thought it was funny when she. Or when Mrs. Doubtfire threw the the lime or whatever at was in the store, <laughs> and then and then she goes, "It was a drive by food." It was a drive by food. Yeah. And then that was like that was pretty good. Um, what else? What else did I like? Um, that part really stuck out for some reason. And then did you not tip them, Danny? Yeah, that was cool. Anyway, another one. Another one. Um. I understand that there were so many, but... Oh, shut up. I liked when um, she, like, okay, so there's, like, that power struggle between, like, the, the eldest daughter and Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah. like, when they first meet, because, like, she's like, eh, I don't need you. Yeah, either. you don't yeah. own me, whatever. I'm mm -hmm. my own woman, or something. Not That's up in here. Not what happened. But anyway, um, <laughs> and then, um, and then she, like, Mrs. Doubtfire grabs the, the remote, and like tosses it in the fish tank. So that the only was thing like, you'll be watching is deep CNN. Yeah, so I thought that was amusing. I was yeah. amused by that. Um, what else? Oh, so the part when the the counselor or the social worker or whatever came yeah. to visit was like so stressful. Yeah, that no, was I know. so stressful ah, for ah, me. Ah, Any of the times when he was switching between the two characters, I yeah. was like freaking out because I was like, this is too much. Yeah. Yeah. It's too much. So that was stressful, but I really appreciated the save with the cake to the face. It just like, dips his head. Uh -huh, that Hello! Was, yeah. Yep, that was humorous. It was iconic. It was classic. Yes. And I also had no idea what it was going to do. And so I was actually <laughs> genuinely like, oh my God, you did out. it. Yeah, I know. Like, I was rooting for you and you did it. So. like a yeti. Yeah. Yeah, so that was good. Oh, yeah, that's, um, that's a very good scene. Yeah. What about you? What are, like, what's your, Jeez. okay, you have so many, obviously. I have so many. Pick but... your, pick one. Pick one? Yeah. Oh, jeez, that's a hard one. Um, so it'll either be between 
when he's uh, – I even I even mentioned it uh, earlier on, talking to Pierce Brosman about Sally Fields and, like, being really jealous and kind of drunk at this point uh-huh. and just, like, all this stuff because the whole power tool and crabs, that's, like, half of it. Yeah. Uh, but one part that just really makes me crack up is when <laughs> she's just walking down the street and some mugger is trying to – Oh, yeah! <laughs> is trying to grab her back and then doesn't – obviously doesn't realize and then he's like, Back off, asshole! <laughs> And then, he, and then he gets his composure and he, like, gets his woman voice back. He's like, the bastard broke my back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was... And, and the bugger's face, like, oh, God. I had no idea, but... <laughs> that was really good. Which brings me to another point is Mrs. Doubtfire interacting with not the family, like, the uh, rest of the world as yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire going to and from. And I just put... Uh, what did I write? Literally the worst bus driver. Like, oh, I all know. Creepy as hell. Okay, so, like, so that's kind of interesting, because the all the shit with the bus driver rang very true for me as a lady and my experiences yeah. with Yikes. creepy men like hitting on you. out in the world talking Ooh. to me for no reason. Yeah, yeah, so that's, like, so, like... He was lonely. He was a lonely old bus driver. Fuck him. It's not his fucking business to talk to me. Do your goddamn job. Drive the bus. Stop the bus. Let me off the bus. Yeah. Okay? Like, no. I don't care. I Save know. your loneliness for not on your job. I mean, I get so, just sick and tired when the old ladies hit on me. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> this is not how this conversation is going. Yes, please. Continue. So, okay, so what I thought was interesting about that... And kind of especially in this day and age with, like, the internet and, like, hashtag SJW, which stands for Social Justice Warrior, okay. which is, like, an insult that, like, meanie people kind of throw at people that are trying to speak up about, like, social issues. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, they're like, oh, my God, you're such an SJW. And I'm like, yes, I fucking am, okay? Anyway. I'm calling you that. So, <laughs> great. Um, so, so, it was kind of interesting to me because, like, there's been this sort of, um, this, like, line or like this like way of I don't know like this argument point or something about like like catcalling so like mm-hmm. women are like oh my god we're so sick of getting catcalled which yeah. is for those that are not familiar walking down the street in my knee length denim shorts and so baby yeah uh-huh yeah just yeah. like that and then I flip them off with both hands <laughs> because I'm so mad um so things like that so this discourse about catcalling there's like this whole thing about like like, a lot of times, like, men don't believe that it happens. So if a woman is telling a man, like, this is what happens on mm-hmm. a regular basis, they're like, there's no way it happens that much. Mm-hmm. And they don't believe it until they see it yeah. and they witness it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, like, this whole discourse about that, about how, like, men need to be, um, you know, better allies to just take us for our word and not, like, yeah. need proof. So what I thought was interesting was back in the 90s, and this was actually during third wave feminism when women... Third wave feminism. We can get into that another time, uh, yeah, but for all my feminist women out there listening, hello, third wave feminism. Back in the 90s, uh, Riot Girl was a big thing. Girl yeah. power was a big thing. Uh, intersectionality just started to get invented, kind of. Or not invented, but discovered, kind of. Um, so, so... What they do is they take that script of men don't believe it unless they see it happen and they flip it on its head because mm-hmm. he's a man dressed as a woman and it's happening to him. And so he has to believe it and experience it firsthand. Yeah. And then by that association, like men that are watching cringe because as a man, you don't want that to happen yeah. to you. But then you're like, oh my God, but he's dressed as a woman, which is why it's happening to him. But that means that 
the bus driver thinks he's a woman mm -hmm. and the bus driver just does that to women and women are experiencing yeah. this thing that is making me cringe. So Yeah, because it's not as if Mrs. Doubtfire was like, oh damn. Yeah. You know, and so, so yeah. So I can only imagine, you know, somebody else, you know, other than Mrs. Doubtfire, the bus driver's probably still looking at that airplane. Yeah, so in a very roundabout kind of way, they kind of force this empathy yeah. for what women go through just kind of existing in public spaces. Um, they kind of forces empathy on male viewers, and which I is like really and, and I fucking subverted. I think yeah. the movie supports your point because you know, like what you were saying, not only with the bus driver, but you know, and maybe this is because he had to put so much energy into his family. But when he was outside of his family and outside in the world, you saw him, his patience dropped like that. Yeah, you know, he had zero patience, zero tolerance for yeah. everybody. He was just kind of like walking home, just like, oh, I'm exhausted. I don't have time to deal with your with your bullshit, and, you know, he, he, he kind of, you know, exuded that, exuded that, exuded that, or whatever, uh, to the bus driver and everything like that, um, so, you know, it's, it's, so you can kind of tell that, you know, you know, um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but, I mean, I can only imagine that, you know, uh, you know, in a woman's day, you know, they gotta go through work, they gotta go through family, and then when it comes to shit like that with, like, the cat calling, you're just, like, you have zero patience for yeah. it, you're like, I'm not even gonna try to, you know, brush it off or whatever, just, like, ignore it, it's, like, at, at, at the end of the day, when you got to deal with, again, work and family and kids and husband and all that shit, mm -hmm. somebody fucking, you know, is like, oh, what's up? You know, I mean, it's just yeah. like, oh, fuck, just fuck off. Yeah. You know? No, so. yeah. And there's like zero patience involved. It's yeah. like, it's gone. It's done. Like, mm -hmm. someone looks at you the wrong way, and I just go fucking fight them, because that's uh, just... You just throw hands with them. It's just immediately. You looked hands. at me weird. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting conclusion there yeah. that I came to. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, hey, I feel like every movie has that analytical kind of yeah. undertone. Yeah, I line. almost wish they touched on that more of what his uh, experience of that is, but then that might have started dipping into some you know, you wonder if questionable are, territory. If so. there are deleted scenes or whatever, but it was a long movie. It was, it was about, it was about two, two, two and a half hours almost. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's long oh, yeah. It was, it's pretty long. It was actually yeah, it was pretty long, but... Anyway, yeah. Any, any well, other notes or, or, or topics to touch on at all? No, I'm really just I just put the end is so stressful. Uh, I was like really stressed out during the entire ending scene, yes. like just because I just hated watching all of that happen because there was yeah. no reason why it had to be like that. Yeah, and right. I was just very upset. Toggle through. Oh my god, I was so upset the whole time because first of all, it's not realistic, and oh, yeah. well, I mean, what am I expecting? But second of all, like it just like oh my god, it just and made my heart worked, hurt. We both worked at restaurants before, and how yes. you just put on a coat and just walked in there and just like put some cayenne pepper on yeah. stews, oh, yeah. shrimp and everything like that. Like that would never forget. I almost forgot about that. Yeah. Like, Who the hell are you? Like, yeah. You know everybody in the kitchen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I almost forgot about that part. Yeah. I yeah. was like calling bullshit on that because yeah. I've worked in kitchens before in my past and I was like, no, yeah. no, no, no. You don't exactly. just walk in there and yeah. fucking just touch people's food. Yeah. Like if someone else, if I was working, I'd be like, who the fuck are you getting yeah, the fuck no, out of the kitchen? <laughs> Stop what I'm doing. You're breaking food laws. Leave uh -huh. now. So, yeah, yeah, that was unrealistic, but anyway. it was a 90s movie. Movie, was, movie magic. So. Right yeah, there, movie magic, so. All right. Yeah. Well, so, good. yes, I mean, I mean, did we, did we have a certain rating system here? I mean, how many uh, prosthetic masks did this get? <laughs> so, I was trying to think of what the rating system would be, and yeah. I, like, couldn't think of one, yeah, honestly. So... It'd be a... What do you think? Like, I couldn't yeah. think of what it would be. How many snow cones in Phoenix or how many English yeah. teas? I don't know. Yeah, sure, let's do English teas. Because she was like, teas. oh my god, yes. I'm British. So, tea. Okay. Okay, so how I... How many English out of, out of five English teas would you get? 
I'm gonna give this one four English <gasps> teas out of five English nice. teas. Um, and my reason is because the movie did stress me out a little bit yeah. <laughs> during certain scenes. Yeah. So, what about you? <laughs> what about? Oh God, it's it's, I it's, it's a classic. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd give it a. Well, I don't want to give it too high a, a rating because you know, and there are other films out there. But mm -hmm. as far as Mrs. Doubtfire goes, let's just say it has a very special place in my heart. Aww. 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 <laughs> All right, shut up, everybody. All That's right, um, sweet. yes. Anyway, but Mrs. Doubtfire, Robin Williams, the late Robin Williams. Aww. Oh God, it's even sadder. People, thank you for listening to episode two of Academy Outcast. I am Thomas Drake, and I am Morgan Spatola. Thank you so much.